everyone. On today's episode, we've got two guests with us. Uh, recurring guest Chase Bartholomew, and then a new guest, Austin Story, who is one of the biggest BYU sports fans I know personally. Um, great knowledge of the sport, great knowledge of the history as well. Uh, I've been wanting to bring Austin on for a while, but for whatever reason, it just took this long to get him on. But I was happy to bring him on, and we were able to discuss kind of BYU NY6 potential and basketball, which we got. Honestly, I will say this is the most indulgent, self-indulgent BYU sports episode you'll probably ever hear from me because it just comes more naturally to me to be a skeptic and a jaded BYU sports fan. After all, that was the premise of this podcast even starting. But from there, you know, I have my moments and it's just a good day to be a BYU sports fan. Now, we did record this before Colin Chandler had officially signed with BYU or announced his commitment to BYU, which was, that was a fun, that was a funny moment. I just can't believe that happened. So, I mean, I wish I would have recorded, you know, maybe part of it after that, because that was, it's just unbelievable, like how everything is coming up BYU these days. And um, along those lines, uh, we didn't have the rankings, but we we had speculated that BYU football would be around 14 in the college football playoff, which is exactly what happened. So we were still on key there and on target. Um, but it's, uh, other than that, like we're just basically talking kind of BYU's current state in football and uh, basketball and, and where we think we're headed. And so that was also before the BYU basketball game took place Tuesday night, which we won, but it wasn't really pretty. And I think it'll take some time to get some chemistry going there with uh, with our basketball program. But I still think they're going to be really good, and that's kind of where the stance was. But I maybe have not been quite as excited as I was Monday night about BYU basketball after that game Tuesday. But here we are, whatever. I still feel really good about the basketball team. Anyway, it's all BYU sports today, so I understand if that's not necessarily your cup of tea. Uh, next week, we'll have a couple uh, different episodes going. I, I don't think we'll do as much BYU sports because we're kind of just be riding the wave of kind of where, where BYU stands. There's not going to be a BYU football game. BYU basketball is starting up, but I'm going to kind of let that get going for a little bit before I get too into that. But uh, we'll bring it back with some other kind of random and kind of fun episodes and I got a good response from those hypothetical, uh, from the hypothetical scenarios that I, I put forth um, on the podcast last week, uh, and or I, I guess no, it was this week. It was earlier this week, and that was that was fun. And so I I want to do more of that. I want to get more hypothetical questions thrown out there, and I want to do that more regularly, maybe at least once a month, because um, the feedback was was really positive on that one. And I thought it was fun, and I thought it was pretty funny to hear other people and what they thought about that. So anyway, hope you all are doing well and uh, happy Thursday and hope you're gearing up for a great weekend and we'll see y'all next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Mormons are really nice people. Totally nice. They are the yes. best cult. Have you ever, under the influence of alcohol, questioned the teachings of the Mormon church? Well, and these Mormons are so nice. Everybody's so nice. <laughs> Everybody's so nice in Utah. They're all Mormon, right? Yeah. So they're not most drinking. Of it, most of it. And they're like not cussing. They're like, Slovis, you stink. <laughs> I'm afraid it was the Mormons. Yes, yes, the Mormons were the correct answer. Shout out to the Latter-day Saints. All right, I'm already in a bad mood uh, because that took like an hour to get this set up, and we're not even set up in the best way, so the sound is going to be a little bad today. But I'm here today with the uh, returned guest, recurring guest, Chase Bartholomew, but a new special guest today. Mr. Austin's story. Shout out to you, my friend, for taking me to the BYU football game last week, which was a great time. Hey, man. Anytime. I, uh, I think I had to ask you all, all season, but we finally got you to a game, so that's good. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for uh, getting me out there finally, dude. Not that I don't like going to BYU football games. I will say, though, I do love watching them at home. I do. I'm weird that way. Sometimes but, that's the best seat in the house. Yeah. Right in front of your TV. Yeah. Especially with that 4K. Anyway, I don't want to talk about that too long. Sorry. Like I said, I'm in a bad mood, so let's freaking do this. Um, what are So I want to talk a lot kind of like BYU's potential in the NY6, which I think is very real. I know Chase put out his predictions for whether he thinks they're going to land. He thinks they're going to land at 13. I think they'll be 14. I actually think they'll be 14. Um, what do you guys think? Well, I'll go first. I think... From the AP poll settings, currently we were 17 last week, and we jumped up to 14. Yeah. So tomorrow, Tuesday, they'll come out with the week two's results. I think we'll only jump up one spot. Same. Because all year they've been talking about strength of schedule. There's a reason why Coastal Carolina wasn't even in the top 25. And BYU, playing a weak team, not our fault, I think they're going to try to show us, hey, we're only going to put you up one spot. They don't want to give – somebody that's not currently a member of the Power Five yet access to the New Year's Six Bowl as much as possible. So I expect a one-up jump, even though seven teams above us lost. Yeah, I mean, I think if they truly had an agenda against BYU, they could have ranked us 20 last week. Well, no one's saying they have an agenda against BYU. I just think, like, according to Austin's kind of way of looking at it, those two things could be different. Well, here's the problem is the theme of the initial rankings was they made a very clear effort to reward teams for their head-to-head victories. So like Oregon was above Ohio State and that that theme was followed through the whole rankings. Now the question is, are they going to try to keep that up each week? Because the problem is, is these teams are all beating each other and it becomes like an, like it becomes a paradox, paradoxical Situation if you start trying to stay consistent with the head-to-head battles and across the board because it's just not going to work. And so the question is, are they going to try to drag BYU back behind Baylor because Baylor is going to drop from the loss? Because if they do that, I, I just don't see how you can do that consistently across the entire rankings. Um, if that happens, a BYU could be as bad as 15 or 16 this week and because they have to punish Baylor, right? Baylor was 12. I don't think BYU loses spots, no. do they? Well, so, but the problem is, is that if they're saying, okay, BYU and Baylor have both lost two games, Baylor won the head-to-head, Baylor should be ahead of BYU. That, that could be yeah, their logic. That, that, game, that, that, be, that creates a domino effect that would be yeah. like, could out of, yeah. it could get out of control real yeah. quick. 
I think Austin brings up a good point right off the bat, though, which is like, I think they're really going off the strength of schedule. Which, if that's the case, according to one site I saw, guess who has the worst strength of schedule of the top 15 currently in the college football playoff ranking? Oklahoma or, or Ohio State, I'm going to guess. No. Alabama. Is it BYU? Or? BYU. Yeah. BYU actually has the worst strength of schedule of, yeah. of all 15. Thank you, Pac-12. Well, well, granted, this is some random site. Like, I don't yeah, think that, like ESPN doesn't really have their algorithm for that yeah, for whatever I, reason. I've seen a bunch of different, and some, some, of, some of them have us higher, some of them have us lower. At the end of the day, we have five wins over teams with winning records. We, have, it's, we don't really know what our strength of schedule is until it all plays out. I mean, if Utah wins the Pac-12... Three-fourths of the way through the season, I think you have a pretty good idea. Yeah, but I mean, we, we could have victories over a bunch of solid teams, or we could have victories over teams that are going to win the Pac-12 and the ACC. We just don't know how that's going to pan out. Absolutely. And yeah. I think that's going to be more important to me at the end of the day than who wins and who loses. If BYU, if, they, if they're sitting there in their little meeting and they say, hey, look at BYU, they have victories over the ACC champ and the Pac-12 champ. If that's how it plays out. And the Mountain West champ. And the, yeah. If that happens, how do they say no to BYU? So let's play this out. I think you're right. I think that's fair. It's interesting that some of this is so contingent on just nothing. That's stuff that's completely out of BYU's control. But let's play this out. They have a bye week coming up. Do they? Could they lose a spot or two in the ranking for not playing? I think it'll be, if, if anything, it'll be like, because what'll happen is the most likely scenario is a team ahead of us loses to a team behind us and one of them falls behind, one of them goes ahead. Well, I like think Ole Miss is je- definitely going to jump us for being Auburn. Who was ahead? If of that us, happens, right? yeah. But then Auburn would fall behind us. Well, no, that us did happen. Oh, no, no. Ole Miss Tex- beat Texas, Auburn. Texas A&M beat Auburn. Oh, is that what it was? And they were both ahead of us. So then Auburn's going to fall behind us. Texas A&M's going to leap up a couple of spots. The scenario BYU needs, I think there's two conferences that are the most important right now. You have the SEC and you have the Pac-12. The scenario BYU has to avoid is the Pac-12 getting two teams in the yep. near six. And so Oregon can't make the playoff. Oregon making the playoff is a disaster for BYU because that means Utah or whoever is second place in the Pac-12 gets the Rose Bowl. And that becomes a, a situation that BYU probably can't overcome. Same thing with the SEC. You have Well, what if we get in the top ten, though? Well, I've heard that if Oregon potentially got in and the secondary team wasn't ranked high, BYU could take that spot because Mm -hmm. the Pac-12 already has ownership, right? They're already in. That's what I've heard. I don't know if that's true. Well, the way I look at it is if BYU makes the New Year's Six, they're like the last team in. And so if you have scenarios where teams from the Pac-12 are stealing additional bids or teams from the SEC, like let's say Alabama and Georgia make the playoff, that means the third team in the SEC gets the Sugar Bowl. When you start having that situation take place, I think it's probably going to bump BYU out. So we need everything to fall in in, in the right place. We need probably Cincinnati making the playoffs our best scenario because that blocks either Oregon or a second SEC team from making the playoff. And that could potentially be the, the domino yeah. that we need. What you need is Notre Dame to fall out yeah. or Cincinnati. And at this point, Cincinnati is not going to fall out. So yeah. you need them to go forward and make yeah. the playoff. Yeah, Cincinnati is definitely not going to fall out. But I think the playoff committee already made it clear that they're not putting Cincinnati in. You know, what's interesting is the teams that will probably keep BYU out of the New Year's Six this year is the Big 12. If you count the new Big 12 with Cincinnati, with Oklahoma, with Oklahoma State, at them or and or Baylor, one of mm. those teams... Probably three big. I don't know those. There's like Oklahoma State still has like 
I think they still have Baylor and Oklahoma left on their schedule, don't they? Yeah, that's true. So yeah. that's why two of those, those three teams will be in plus Cincinnati. Yeah, but Oklahoma State's like close to us proximity-wise, so we could easily jump yeah. up ahead of them. There's plenty and if Baylor of gets schedule. another loss, Baylor's already behind us at this point. Yeah, Things would have to play Baylor, out. If Baylor beats Oklahoma State, that'll actually bode really well for us, I think. That's why I wonder, I, um, do you recall what record um, Notre Dame needs to get into the New Year's Six? Is it top 12 they're automatically in or top 16? Yeah. But if Notre Dame falls below If they're that, automatically in with top 16, that's freaking jacked that, up. They made that deal with the BCS back in the day. I don't know if it's still carried over, but... How does yeah, Notre Dame get all these special things? It's Notre Dame. But next year we'll reap the benefits. October 8th, a $15.5 million deal with the, the luck of the Irish um, podcast. In Vegas. We should go to that, that game, shouldn't we? That would be a fun one. probably yeah. receive 4 to $5 million just for playing them and counting Notre Dame as the quote-unquote home team for that game. So, oh, yeah, there's no, but that won't matter. BYU we'll will turn up for sure, turn out for that one. But We will definitely be there. So here's a question. If we go to the New Year's Six, who would you most like to play? If you got to like pick someone who's a reasonable, like likely option to play in the New Year's Six, I'm thinking like Michigan or Notre Dame would both be awesome. Michigan would be a cool one. Yeah. That like never happened. Like a, call, a call back to the '84 championship. Oh yeah, that would. Yeah. Be cool. well, <laughs> Is that the last time we played them? No, I think 2015. It. We played them with Tanner Mayfield. Oh, yeah, oh we of got, course. We crossed the 50 yard line, so that <laughs> might be nice to go back and re- totally redeem ourselves. Oh my gosh, that's true. Tanner Mayfield is responsible for two of our most embarrassing games ever. You have the LSU game and then the Michigan game. Those were terrible. Yeesh. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. I wonder if he thinks that. Do you think Tanner thinks that? He just watches that uh, Nebraska highlight over and over again every night. <laughs> Guaranteed Mitch Matthews Mitch does as well. <laughs> I wonder if Mitch what? Matthews looks at that and is like, I should have high-pointed that. <laughs> like, yeah, Mitch, you should have, but whatever, it worked out, I guess. Yeah. As, as you should have high-pointed yeah. every other ball that was thrown your way, too. But anyway. I, I will say that I that... Samson Nakua. Who can the, dude, Samson, both Nakuas freaking get after it, man. I will, and Gunnar Romney does, too. Honestly, all our receivers... Are way better in that regard than Mitch Matthews ever was. Anyway, Puka Nakua six one can high point a ball better than any player could on that it's, team. That and all those receivers. It's so true. Five. But it's that so that 2015 season, even though I'm not a big Tanner Tanner fan in retrospect, the beginning of that 2015 season was a blast. The the way the Nebraska game, the Boise oh, State game ended. I mean, that was a lot of fun, and then they fell apart. But and even they took it to UCLA. UCLA ended up not being much that year, yeah. but we almost beat UCLA in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, I was at that game. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. That team, if Taysom stays healthy, is a top fifteen team, no doubt, mm-hmm. no doubt. Tanner yeah. goes nine and four. We barely lose a few games. He looks great, but our offensive line was great, and we actually had a receiving core that year. That's an incredible. I game. just can't believe how much I was advocating for Tanner Mangum going into the following year because <laughs> I was legit like Taysom should just switch positions. I was like legit. I was like lobbying him to be like strong safety or something. I was like, he could be our version of Eric Weddle. No doubt that guy could be a great strong safety in the NFL. I still believe that, by the way. Like, just a ball hawk. Just a oh. freak. Oh, yeah. Um, then, not, like, the exact opposite happened. Taysom had a pretty solid senior year. He didn't honestly, he didn't have a great senior year. He had Stats a solid senior year. Yeah. Our record was great. And then Tanner flamed out after that. It was just so weird. Yeah. there's a, that, That's a sliding door situation. If Tanner starts that year does he have as crappy of a career as he had yes yes you Tan- think so tanner never was a complete football player 
He was so much better his freshman year than any other year, though. No, but he did you see the receivers he was throwing to in 2015 and the line? There's a reason why Taysom had 240 yards passing the first half against Nebraska. He had 240 yards passing that first half, tearing him up. Maybe I think it's 231. Did he He really? Absolutely. I didn't realize he had that many passing yards. So like Taysom was on pace. (laughs) He was absolutely killing it. Yeah. Goes out third quarter with the list Frank. Obviously he left. He comes back in. We have no idea what's the matter with him, but that that team was amazing that Tanner was throwing to. Four incredible receivers. You had Devon Blackman. You had Mitch Matthews. You had Nick Kurtz. Um, Houck. The, the team was, and, and Tanner Houck, who, who had his best year. No, Taron, but yes. Taron Houck. Yeah, so the, yeah. that that receiving core was one You're of the You're probably best right ever. about that, actually. So Taysom, that, the following year, his senior year, he didn't play well because he literally took the boot off days before the first game of the season and kind he of showed up. Fat. he was 22 pounds <laughs> overweight he when ran they, fat when they yeah. Play, yeah when they played arizona he was so worried about yeah. getting injured and he was 25 pounds overweight there's yeah, a he, reason why six months later he was running so fast but he's so slow yeah he had lost his burst for a little bit there yeah and so when we played utah of course it was early in the season Taysom was still fat and you take away a, a pick six on the first play of the game. That's not a. That's not even a close game. By the way, Taysom fat is like twelve percent body fat as opposed to like nine. But it showed. It showed. You can see yeah, he looked a little he, chubby. He was running a four six five, and then by March in his pro day, he was running a four four two. I mean, it was incredible uh, to see the transformation. Yeah, we never got a full season of experienced, healthy Taysom. Okay. It just—it's unfortunate because he could—he could have been a Heisman candidate. We got one half with yeah. Nebraska was the only Taysom that knew how to throw from the pocket uh, and was also a two hundred and sixty-eight yards that game passing. Yeah, and he went out in the third. I quarter. thought he went out at halftime. No, he no, came he back. He came in. back. He did, but he was yeah. injured in the second quarter. Yeah, he so. threw that. He threw that pick six. He and... also had about ninety yards rushing. So imagine the year Taysom would have had with that easy schedule and that stacked roster coming back, because that was the only good offensive line Taysom ever played with. Was that, that year would have been something team. else? That's actually true. Yeah. Anyway, we didn't we didn't yeah. really mean to get yeah. caught up in talking yeah. about this, but it's just yeah. easy to get lost. <laughs> yeah. I am so gay. Some it's not even yeah. funny. I could talk about him for. Hours. So at the end to wrap up the Big Twelve, what ranking does BYU need to get for them to be? Yeah. So let's play this out. Like I, I think they, I, I think there's a there's a chance they go down a spot after this week. So go down to sixteen. No, I think they'll get to fourteen. Yeah. Tomorrow, and then and back I think to they could go back to fifteen easily. Very possible. With what happens. Then you have two weeks. You have to get style points against Georgia Southern. You have to, and then you have to beat USC soundly. And then you have to have so much infighting with all the teams in front of us, which includes Oklahoma State, Baylor. Uh, uh, who's another one? I mean, are we gonna we're gonna pass Wake Forest, right? Probably not this week. I don't think they were nine. Are they, they gonna Are they gonna they drop that many spots? I mean, they lost. They lost North, on the they lost unranked North Carolina on the road at North Carolina, and what by three points? I, I don't think that's gonna. Be, I feel like the AP has. Wake Forest 13 and BYU 14 right now, which is interesting. That I think is interesting. I mean, the cl- clearly the college football playoff committee, whatever, has zero regard for the AP. There's zero, zero regard. Zero, zero. Yeah. Well, the AP is actually more copying the, the college football playoff that's, that's, rankings now. Actually, yeah. I agree. Yeah, I, I, I think that's exactly right. Most of those guys don't put effort into it. They all yeah. look, uh, they, they ranked them this and they'll just follow the, right. the college football playoff rankings. I think so the AP does BYU jump to from some 17 degree. to 14 by playing an FCS opponent. So. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. But 
I, I I don't think the AP copies them as much as the coaches. Well, the coaches probably doesn't copy anything. They probably just don't watch anything. Those guys yeah. aren't watching games like late games. They probably have right. their grad assistants just fill it out for them. I've heard that actually. Yeah. And some of those East Coast reporters definitely are waking up Sunday and not really seeing how a lot of these late games play out on the Saturday. Yeah. But anyway, um, so let's get to the point. I mean, it's possible BYU makes it up to ten. It's very possible, and isn't that what they need to be at? Is or do they need to be higher than that? Well, the, 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 what it comes down to they is how, to how many teams be there. How many teams get auto bids that were behind BYU? If if it's zero, then you can get to twelve and get in. If it's if it's one, then it's eleven. If it's two, it's ten. So I'm you, most years like last year, the the lowest at large, the team with the, the worst ranking to get in the at large was at Iowa State. They were number ten. So that's kind of what I think is your threshold as you aim for ten. And then you might get lucky and get in at 11 or 12. But 10 is kind of the magic number. Yeah, this year, honestly, I think you need 8 to guarantee you're going, which we won't get with the remaining schedule we have. You have an outside chance of getting to 10. And if all the round teams lose, if the Pac-12 only sends one, if the ACC only sends one, all the above, you have a fighting chance. And then we make it to the, if we don't make it to an NY6, we go to the Boca Raton Bowl or something. That's where you hope that ESPN comes in and, there's yeah. some holiday bowl or some other bowl we could swoop in. To. Yeah, Isn't I, I, I thought holiday wasn't NY6, isn't it? No, not? the, the yeah, option, from what I've heard, it's either going to be the Independence Bowl. That's the one we have a contract with. That would probably be against UTSA. Oh, that which, would be so garbage. It'd that be lame, be but at least they're undefeated and they're ranked. Granted, it's yeah. still like UTSA, like not something to get excited about, but it could be worse. You could be playing like someone worse. Than no, that. UTSA is pretty bad. Well, they're, they're undefeated. I mean, I honestly... They are ranked. I would rather play a team that's probably... Not even as good as UTSA, but a big brand. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like I would rather play like a like for example a Virginia type. Recruits notice. I mean, look at BYU. We were ranked twenty fifth. You beat Virginia on one of our worst defensive games of the year, and we jumped up eight spots. Why? Because it's in the East Coast. Mm -hmm. All these voters are in the East Coast. And so we beat Virginia, who were like, they're the fifth best team we've beaten and this year. And then quarterback that and can make it to are, the NFL. And all of a sudden, like, we're amazing to everybody. And we're yeah. like, no, we've been amazing all year. You're just in the East Coast, and you don't watch West Coast games. Yeah, and I actually so totally agree what would with be that. nice is if we play I don't want UTSA anybody, at all. Give me an <laughs> ACC don't. team. Even give me a Clemson. I don't care. But oh, give Clemson me a, would be dope. Give me that an would ACC be dope, team actually. that we can beat up on out East. Or give me a Miami that's yeah. a big recruit, you know, maybe totally agree. Corbin McClellan, one of these Florida guys where we can get mm-hmm. a big win against a f- big Florida, Florida team where these recruits are the, starting the to problem, take notice of BYU. Yeah. The problem is these bowls aren't really open-ended like that. It's not like they, they, they pretty much have tie-ins. The one option I heard is the guaranteed rate bowl. I think it's like Big Ten versus ACC, or I could be wrong about that. But basically, if one of those conferences can't supply enough teams – they could then switch BYU out, and that would potentially be an option. But, it, I mean, the, the the default is to just go to the Independence Bowl if we don't go to New York And States. UTSA yeah. would be the one we'd play for sure. Most likely. It would be a Conference USA yeah. team. They're the only half-decent team in the Conference USA. So if it's not them, it could be worse. It could be UTEP or something. Regardless, though, the Independence Which, Bowl, is that in Independence, Missouri? It's in Louisiana. Uh, so, yeah, like give, give me a game at least that's in Arizona yeah. or California if it's not a, against a big team. At least give it some West Coast warm yeah. climate. Well, this is this is why we're so grateful to get out of of, of independence. It's true, this literally. is the worst part of independence. <laughs> it's like it's it's almost like poetic that the last crappy bowl we're gonna have to play in is the the name the bowl for the name of independence because it's like yeah we're getting out of this getting to Big Twelve bowls. Absolutely. Well, then let's let's I'm gonna I'm gonna actually use this as a transition point 
And this is going to be the most self-indulgent you hear me getting about BYU sports because, after all, this podcast did start as a podcast for jaded sports BYU fans. <laughs> are we entering in the glory? Are we entering the glory days of BYU sports? Feels that way. Kind of seems like it, right? It's like kind of weird. Like it's not. It's foreign. <laughs> I'm not used to feeling this way. Yeah. Like I actually feel. And now maybe this is because I'm older and stupider, but I. Is stupider actually a word or is it more stupid? Whatever. Um, that'd be case in point. But stupider. anyway. 0809, you could kind of look back and be like, oh, those were awesome football days. Basketball was solid. We were coming into the Jimmer years. But then when Jimmer peaked, BYU football was terrible. But um, you could make the case that those were somewhat glory ish days Absolutely. there for BYU sports. I feel way more confident about the coming years than I ever did then. And I, I think I'm being honest with myself here. Yeah. Like, back then I was like, you know, BYU football is good, but I don't know how great we are. And it kind of, like, it was when we beat Oklahoma, I, like, had these desires that will go undefeated. But I always kind of felt like I knew, like, Florida State was going to mop the floor with us. You know? It always kind of felt like that was possible The still. quest for perfection we still knew, well, it depends on... We could be perfect depending on who we play, right? I mean, there was just something about having, like, our white defensive backs playing against Florida State. Yeah, Brian Correa was our starting running back. Yeah, like, we, like we, were, we were just a bunch of hard workers. Yeah. And, and when, when we had seniors on the team, we made the hard worker thing We were like us. the Rudy Rudiger all-star yeah. team. But now we have, Absolutely. like, talent coming in the door. Now it's, like, actual talent. And you know yeah. what? These guys get up. And that's another major difference with Kalani, obviously, is that he gets his guys excited. And that's huge in yeah. sports. Now, extending off of that, a lot of this has to do with how good basketball is looking, which the most relevant thing I can think of right now, time and time-wise, is that it looks like we're going to steal this Colin Chandler kid. Have you guys seen that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A um, four-star recruit that was headed to Utah is now reopening. Did, did, did he actually commit? Like, was it a soft verbal to Utah? Was that ever the case? Or No, nope, nope. he's been uncommitted, and all the crystal ball... It's saying BYU now. It said Utah, and yeah. It went oh, from, it said Utah. It said 4-0 for Utah, and now it's switched to 5-0 for BYU. No way. So it could be any day now, or it could switch back and forth. But yeah, so that's... I looked at some of his highlights. He's got quite the shot, it looks like. 6-4, very springy. Third highest recruit out of, out of Utah basketball history behind Frank Jackson. Or fourth, I'm sorry. Chris Burgess, Frank Jackson, and Eric Mika. So, What's Frank Jackson up to, by the way? Is he still in the NBA? Uh, he he was playing. He's on the Pelicans, right? He was on the Pelicans. He he was playing on a team last year. Was it the Pacers or the Pistons? He was on the Pistons last year. I don't know if he's currently on a roster. I think he is. You gotta wonder if Pope is coach at this time, and there's Frank Jackson. Does Frank Absolutely. Jackson go to BYU at that point? I think he would next year, not this year, because. If he was a senior right now, BYU doesn't enter to the Big 12 until 2023. And he was and looking he for a short... to be a one-and-done. Yeah. But if we were going to the Big 12 But didn't he do year, two years at Duke, though? No, he did one. No, I'm thinking Jabari. He was Jabari did two to. years at Duke. But still, when Coach K comes knocking, now Coach K is retiring. I think if it was 2022, Frank Jackson, yes, we have the momentum. Coach Pope has the personality, the development factor, and then look at the resources that BYU basketball has now plus Ryan Smith being the, the which by the way did you have you heard like one of the NIL deals yeah like the, the side <laughs> note there like the, they're blowing up on Twitter that like oh my gosh this is hilarious so apparently there's some sort of NIL deal that's potentially in the works for this Colin Chandler kid have you heard this Chase of course no. there like 
that Ryan Smith is like orchestrating with Qualtrics, BYU, Colin Chandler potentially, and a bunch of Ute fans that are hearing about this are like renouncing their Utah Jazz <laughs> fandom because Ryan Smith, See, <laughs> the owner of the Jazz, is getting this kid to go to BYU. We, we don't even know if that's true, right? Which you can start orchestrating any NLI deal you want. Today. I don't know that's if anyone really knows the legality yeah. of all that. Absolutely, but that's I mean, Utah, so funny to me. Utah would do the same. I don't know if it. Ryan Smith obviously is a huge BYU basketball fan. Yeah, he's not the majority owner of Qualtrics, so he can't necessarily. Oh, he could finagle anything he, he could wants. Probably finagle anything he wants, but he's going to get NL, nil deals no matter where he goes. Like the rumor is that it's like some six figure deal for this kid already. Really? Oh, absolutely. Oh, that yeah. that would be the kind of thing that swings his decision. Absolutely. Like, well, look at our left tackle we just got from Oregon. Kingston Samatea, he had three offers Signed an NIL within, within an hour of signing with BYU and committing. Yeah. So obviously somebody like Colin Chandler, where you don't wear a helmet, you're the point guard, the future of the franchise, and BYU has so many donors. We knew NIL would change the dynamic of college, like the landscape of college recruiting. We did not, however, predict that it would actually help BYU this quickly. It would, of course, because oh. we've been the only ones that have been doing it the right way, quote unquote, for a while. Nick Emery, the built, got the built deal was cool, but at the same time, I was like, that's not going to get us recruits because recruit like top recruits are already going to get scholarships. So who cares about walk-ons? Like it, now, I don't mean to say that, like obviously we like walk-ons, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that deal alone was not like marquee for BYU, but it did get us press and it made us look like a team that's like forward thinking sure. with the NIL, which probably does influence recruits. That could to be. Some extent. That could be because obviously the built built like is now like built. Every player is getting built bars all the time, but every program has some sort of deal with some products like that. Um, I just. What was I going to say about this NIL? I Oh, someone made the point that a lot of these like multi-million, billion-dollar companies in Silicon Slopes, like the Lehigh area and Provo, quite frankly. I mean, at one point in Provo, there were like five different billion-dollar companies that were all started in Provo. They're BYU grads. Yep. And so like that really is an unbelievable advantage BYU has from that alone. Because when you think about these guys are just like, I just want my my... Uh, university like where I went to be great so I'm gonna I'm gonna yield whatever cash I can for these kids just for that reason it's not even really for sponsors like who cares but at the end of the day like that might be all it is wouldn't you yeah yeah I've, yeah if I had the resources to do that I would I'd for sure we're gonna see some fun for less travel sponsorships for some individual kids <laughs> <laughs> I won't go there <laughs> No, no comment. It's, <laughs> it's definitely exciting. I think you're correct when we say when when this is this the best. Um, how did you word it? Is this the, the best? The glory ball? days. The glory days. Are, are we entering the glory Absolutely. days? Absolutely. The only difference. The only time you could compare. Obviously, you said '06 to '09. We had four years in a row where we're top twenty-five in basketball and football. So we felt good. Where Jake Heaps is coming in, and then that didn't work out right. But. To the early 80s when you had a national championship for BYU and you had Danny Ainge going to the lead eight, that was that was pretty strong, but we still weren't part of the Big 12. We were still outside looking in. Right Now you have two young coaches who BYU now has the resources to pay them and potentially keep them for 20 years, who players love, the community loves. BYU's finally figuring out slowly that the honor code doesn't need to be quite as strict as it has been. They're finding a good balance of so certain players having their hair a little longer, 
some facial they hair just need to get rid of that one altogether honestly and, hair, like facial hair and just length of hair just needs to go absolutely. i mean that's just that is an antiquated thing as far as i'm concerned i've made my yeah, as long as you're not thing. naked on campus do what you want <laughs> <laughs> is that your philosophy yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think that's a good standard right yeah. there. I'm sure you'll be president of BYU soon enough. <laughs> um, I think what's different about these two coaches that we have right now is that, like you said, Austin, they're young. But another point, too, is that these guys have momentum and are great at capitalizing on it. I actually think Bronco was terrible at that. Okay. I think Bronco had momentum, but for whatever reason – felt like he could go back to kind of this standard blueprint that he had as approach to football whereas Kalani seems like the type that's like I'm going to build off this and I'm going to do things different and I'm just going to keep people excited and keep things going Pope kind of seems to have the same effect yeah. the only x factor there is that Pope doesn't seem like he may not be as committed to BYU as Kalani is and that makes sense he to me he may not be but there's not a lot of programs now that we're going to the Big 12 that are more attractive that are than more ours. Attractive than BYU. For now, I mean, there are more. Pro- there are other programs out there that could pay him he more. Could go, yeah. But BYU could pay him more, but they won't pay him more. I know. They, but he he obviously there's very few places. He's from Seattle, maybe Washington, but we're above Washington at this point. You only have to worry about a Kentucky or a Kansas. Did he? I know there was speculation that he was a candidate for the Arizona job. Do we know if he actually interviewed for that job? I, I know that there was talk know. that Pope, Pope was like top five. Yeah. So you do wonder if if, if a better out. offer came along, he he definitely he I might mean, not would be. Would you want to coach any sport in the Pac-12? I mean, you look at attendance across the board in basketball and football. The passion's not there in most. Also, you programs. have a Marriott Center that is just chomping at the bit yeah. to be full with an awesome team. Big yeah. Twelve. I mean. You have Kansas, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Iowa State, Baylor, who won the national championship. Like you have Absolutely. so many Cincinnati yeah. and Houston. Yeah, it's, uh, like it's the, even the, the incoming schools crazy. are already good at basketball. Even UCF is like solid at basketball. They, they've been it? to oh. the tournament a couple times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You have any of these teams coming to the Marriott Center? What coach doesn't want to have to coach in front of eighteen thousand spectators? 85% of which are cheering so hard and loud for your team. Just like, the, I mean, reporters are already saying that, like, the Marriott Center is one of the best-kept secrets in college basketball because Easy. a lot of teams just haven't experienced it, and the Big 12 is in for a real surprise by coming in there. And I think most of them will just appreciate it just because it's like, this is what they, this is what they play for. Yeah. I will say that uh, the smart move for Pope or Kalani is to just sign up for a lifelong contract at BYU because they can both probably have a job there as long as they want it. I'm on the and, verge of and, giving that to Kalani, and, quite frankly. And, and, and there's more security with that than going to some big program. You see what these programs do. They turn over their coaches like 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 it's like a – I mean, they just recycle them so fast. So you have three years to be successful, and if you're not, they – dump you on the curb yeah like you're better off sticking with a place that loves you and making half the money and having longevity which speaking of which i'm glad you guys are here for this because i need to give myself uh what's the word um what what is it when you surprise people like because you need to like oh it's a a... surprise party no not a surprise party (laughs) um i can't remember but it's like when you have to like confront somebody about their problem Oh, intervention. Intervention. I'm giving myself an intervention in front of you guys. I now admit that Tom Homo is actually a great athletic director. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I said... It only took him 15 years. Last year, I I called him the AD of the year last year when he pulled off. I mean, you could argue 
that the 2020, the way BYU put that together and, and, and made a great seat, that could have been the most important thing BYU's ever done as an athletic program to make that football season happen, to get all that press, all that momentum, the Zach Wilson second pick of the draft, everything that came well, from that, that. He has nothing to do with that. Oh, okay. fair well, no, enough. He, I mean, no, like he, the scheduling. He, he made the schedule happen. And yeah, he, but he was I mean, committed to like when everyone out west was canceling the, the, the season. I still committed. think there are some ways in which he gets a little too much credit than he should. Yeah. Like getting into the Big 12, I don't know how much he had to do with that, quite frankly. In fact, you could, yeah. if he did have something to do with it, then you could actually say it was a mark against him back in I, 2012 when all the expansion was coming for not making it happen, right? I mean... If if, if, they, he, if he I had think his hands are tied, I think he gets a lot of credit for Big Twelve mainly because had it been me, I might have cut ties when the Big Twelve strung us along four years ago. Maybe just told um, the commissioner what we think of him and kind of walked huh. away. Whereas Tom kept a strong relationship with the Baylor AD um, and with the Big Twelve, and he didn't burn any bridges. So then, when it was time for them to when they actually needed to expand as opposed to when they should have in 2016, they looked toward us. So I think Tom's always done a good job at behind the scenes, staying classy and keeping... I think you're probably right, going. ultimately. I mean, there's no question he has done a fantastic job. I mean, the the thing that calls to me more than anything right now, because I was actually all for the Pope hire. That made the most sense. I remember Chase and I talked about it back, in, yeah. back when it was happening. I remember you wanted Madsen... And I was like, no, Pope's a legit, like, good coach, I think. <laughs> because I, cause I, I was biased because I knew Mark Madsen. I had met him a couple of times. I met him once, too. I still yeah. didn't want him to coach yeah. at BYU. He tried, but, to date, he tried to date too many girls that I knew, and he couldn't close. So I didn't want yeah. him because I'm like, if he can't, if a multimillionaire NBA athlete can't convince a girl to marry him, I don't want him to recruit for Yeah, how is he going to recruit five-star athletes? Absolutely. So, and, and, we don't, and we don't know if he would have been I, bad, but Pope's, Pope's clearly was the right that's guy. That's right. Pope was the right guy if he got the right assistance. I didn't honestly didn't know if Pope knew how to coach people up, but I knew he'd be a great ambassador, and I still yeah, thought he was our Yeah, he's very excited. Like, he's an excitable he's, guy and everything. And so, like... He's been better than I... I, I was all for it. Yeah, I didn't think he'd be this good. Quite frankly, I didn't think he'd be this good. But it was a great hire by Homo. Kalani was a great hire, but more than all that, Kalani's extension, that one blew my mind that it worked out the way it did. That, like, I, I mean, it, you yeah. can go back in this podcast and hear me talk about how I don't understand that extension. And in some ways, I still don't because I don't know how Tom Homo had the foresight necessarily. But, I mean, if you would have told me that Kalani would beat Utah. Which that was no, honestly that was that was one A that was the biggest priority in my mind, beat Utah, and then have an eight or nine maybe ten win season, and be ranked in the top fifteen and have a legit shot at the NY six. That extension makes perfect sense. So retroactively, he's justified. I still don't necessarily understand it at the moment, but whatever. That doesn't really matter. He did it, and it was the right move. Absolutely. And in some ways. Maybe it contributed to Kalani's success because that security was what he needed to just like take risks and just go full bore. I don't know. Well, and sometimes it's the better move to be a little proactive or to be a little preemptive with these things because if Kalani has a successful season and we haven't acted on that, then Kalani start, might, might start looking around. There's job openings all over the place, USC to name one. And to get on top of that before any possibility of him being stolen happens, maybe it's just a little bit of a roll of the dice, but it worked out. So yeah, absolutely. No, I remember. Props to you for admitting that because I remember talking to you during uh, in Vegas during Game One, um, and you talked about that, and you and I disagreed. I said I think he should have gotten the extension. I mean, look at how we got Kai Nakua, 
and you mean Puka or, or yeah, Puka Nakua and so. Samson yeah. and if if not Kalani then who was more the question so I thought he had enough momentum off last year you had to give him an extension every week you have BYU players coming in visiting the games and so for recruiting sake I thought yeah. that they needed to make that extension because he might be picked away like you said but well, it kind of felt like when Bronco knew he was on his way out, his recruiting started to slide a little bit too. I think Bronco kind of had his eyes on the door for the last two or three seasons he was there, and you could see it. He just didn't have the same passion. He didn't seem to be as invested in the recruiting, and that's why BYU kind of went through a little phase there where we it, it took some rebuilding. I Absolutely. S- I saw something today too that talked about how like Nebraska's taking on the six-year approach as opposed to the three-year approach because they're extending Scott Frost. And everybody knows if you've been following college football at all, Scott Frost has been most for the most part a disappointment relative to a lot of the other big time old like blue old dog NCAA football programs that were used to just dominating. But what Nebraska is doing is the right thing. I'm, I, it's like you you got to give these guys a better shot, and that's exactly what BYU did for Kalani. BYU knew its place though. BYU knew that they actually had to give. In fact, I've made this argument before. I don't know if I made it on the podcast that. BYU fans need to get used to the idea that since it's such a unique job to coach at BYU, that these coaches, like we're just we're just in a different pool altogether and them coming to the school, like it's going to take them time to prove themselves. Actually, no, I made the opposite argument. I was saying we probably had to have a lot of turnover. <laughs> so I'm, even, I'm not even being true to myself here. But regardless... What I'm saying is Tom Homo knows what the freak he's doing, and he did a good job on it. He did, well, quite it, frankly. And I think every it, hire's been on point. It has Tom been. Hummel. It really has been. And the Olympic sports, just to add to that, but I never cared about that. But whatever, you can add that as a cherry on top at this point. Yeah, well, and, and I think the key at BYU is to get guys that are truly committed to BYU because at BYU we know we're not going to be able to compete in the market for like the same dollar amount that they're making in other places. And so you have to find guys that value – the job and the location, all, all that over the money. And Kalani was a perfect fit for that. Because you know that Kalani, Kalani like, sees it. Like, I think he kind of sees his destiny as being the next Lavelle. Yep. And so for him, that's a perfect hire because he's going to stick around. Well, and I, I, it's interesting to look at this way. I think by Colin Chandler potentially coming to BYU, does that not help lock Mark Pope in for being a BYU lifer? Because Mark Pope, I don't know what Colin Chandler reason, specifically has to do with that. What, what I'm saying is, if if Mark Pope feels like he recruits his best and still isn't able to pull a kid from Farmington, Utah, I get that he has major Utah ties, but if he's able to start reeling in guys like Colin Chandler, he's he's a very competitive person. The only reason he would leave BYU is if he felt like he couldn't get BYU to that Final Four type team. Now, which. I mean, and I think if you pull a Colin Chandler, you've now proven that BYU, not only can your family live in this great environment and you can be a legend here, but if he really feels that BYU won't hold him back from getting a top-end recruit, Mark Pope will stay here. Okay, let's ride this way for a second. And, and like kind of use this as a kind of way to like close out the podcast. But speaking of BYU basketball, we're getting in – season starts tomorrow, home opener. Um Big game on Friday, right? Don't we play San Diego State? San Diego State, and then play a pre-ranked top twenty-five, eleven Oregon. I think in the following week, next oh, wow. week, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, and we're not ranked right now. That seems crazy. 
Yeah, the national media hasn't caught up with the fact that Mark Pope puts out top 25 caliber teams. He's done it two years in a row where they were not preseason hyped at all, became a six seed on both seasons. Well, we got two awesome transfers in Seneca Knight and T. John Lucas. Yeah. And then we have a... I'm convinced Caleb Lohner is going to be phenomenal this year for some reason. I don't know why. I just think that kid has it in him to just improve amazingly every year. He'll take a while, but yeah, Caleb Lohner has a high, high ceiling. It seems like George potentially could play in the NBA someday. Yeah. Same with Caleb, George yeah. is twice the player he was last year. So how BYU isn't ranked when the people they lost... T. John they, Lucas came from Illinois and he was averaging like 16 a game or something, wasn't he? He played in Milwaukee and I was yeah, BYU only made upgrades. The only step back we make is Matt Harms' defense. Maybe Rim we lose protected. a little bit there. Yeah. But other than that, we're an upgrade at every position. You, you brought back an... Well, and then Barcelo. 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 That was huge to keep him because you do, like, just to have that leader, solid shooter, I mean, that guy's going to hit at least yeah. 40% of the threes he so shoots. How BYU finishes as a top 20 team last year. And they, yes, they lost first round in the tournament, but to the, the hottest team. Yeah, to the team who made it to the final four. Yeah. Team that should have gone to the championship, and, really. It should have beat Gonzaga. And they, for, for 36 of 40 minutes, was beating Gonzaga in the WCC championship the game before that. So this was legitimately a top 15 team last year, and you only became better. So that was surprising. Obviously, it won't matter because after those two first initial games. So what's BYU our fate? That's out. that's my next question to kind of close out. Like, where do, where do we end? Like, where does BYU basketball see? What are the predictions? Ooh. Let's hear it, Chase. I, I'm not comfortable putting a ceiling on this team. Like, I, I think you you got to believe they're just as good, if not better, than last year. So I feel like the floor is a single-digit seed. And the ceiling, I don't, I don't even know where I would put it. I, like honestly, it wouldn't shock me. I'm not predicting this, but it wouldn't shock me to see this team go make a deep run to the Elite Eight or Final Four. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but they're certainly capable wow. of it. But they, yeah. they definitely are capable yeah. Yeah. of doing it. They're more talented than a lot of teams that have For gone sure. to the Elite Eight the last uh-huh. few years. I will say this: I think I agree with you. I think they're a ten seed or better. Oh, they're definitely better. They're, no, they're better than What I do worry about is them being ranked is they don't have a lot of opportunities, a lot of great opponents to play this year because nobody will schedule BYU. So if they don't win these early on games, it's going to be hard for them to get a high ranking. However, I think this team is the most capable team we've had since Jim to make it to the Sweet 16. Part of the problem I truly think they're a 30, top 32 or Sweet 16 team. The Oregon game will be interesting. I because it's a Phil Knight tournament, Phil Knight Classic or something, so it's got to be in Oregon. I'm guessing. Yeah, so we may very may well not beat Oregon, and that's okay. But hopefully, we show up at least. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I, I think awesome. You bring up a great point that strength of schedule goes a long way, especially in basketball. Because ESPN, that's something that ESPN is doing analytics on. Like everyone's doing analytics on that one because that just for whatever reason means more. Um, it'll be interesting to see where BYU is by the time WCC play starts and to see what momentum they can build off of. I think Mark Pope has is like kind of taken like the same Quinn Snyder approach where it's like the analytics is just shoot and make threes. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's got a play where everybody is set up to shoot a three to make it. And I think BYU is going to be all about that, just knocking down threes, knocking down threes. And... I think it could be. I think another thing too that Mark Pope is amazing at from the beginning is that he's an amazing locker room guy, and I think that was where Cleveland, or sorry, not Cleveland, wow, Rose completely lost his team is that he didn't care what was going on in the locker room. I think there were divisions <laughs> drawn by stupid players that were involved in the team that ended up just destroying the team altogether. Pope 
seems like such a team-oriented guy. He's a player's coach. He gets these guys excited. And I think that bodes amazingly well for chemistry on the court, which is why when you get these transfers, you don't really miss a beat. I think the chemistry is like in in full force, ready to go from day one. And I think you'll see that tomorrow in the season opener. Well, I just I just exposed ourselves as this is recording on Monday, but I think you'll see it. I think BYU basketball will will be a force this, this season. Game. I don't think there's any question. This I think is... I I think their floor is a six seed, personally. I think it's a six seed. I think they could be uh, as high as a three. I yeah, I would love to agree with you, but I don't think they just don't have the schedule, so they could easily very much barely lose a couple of these tough games and no matter how well they play throughout, they yeah. could still only get a seven or eight seed. What's what's Gonzaga's preseason ranking? They're number one. Number one. Okay. So, so there's your there's your games right There's your strength of schedule. Yeah, if you can beat them once, that's that's great. No, absolutely. I think this team could go very deep. What they need is Caleb Lohner needs to be the next Noah Hartsock. And why I say that is that was, he, should be, he should be better than Noah Hartsock. No, excuse me, <laughs> Noah Hartsock That's was his floor. Hartsock was like conference. <laughs> what I mean by that? Get the hell out of here, man! Well, hear me out. I Caleb like Hartsock. Loner, what what this BYU team needs and needed last year, and what they missed—they don't have a single big. They need somebody that can hit the corner three. They have a lot of guys that can drive to the hoop. They have guys that can beat you. One on one, can't like Trevin Nell become that Trevin, guy? <laughs> Trevin Nell can shoot the three, yeah, but he runs around. He's your Clay Thompson, right? And you have uh, Alex Marcelo. What is going but, on here with your comparisons? Your Trevin yeah. Nell is not Clay Thompson. Well, he's, he's Caleb Loner is way better a, than Hartsock. <laughs> Hartsock did he did lead us he, he, to that he, no, huge comeback over right. You know, what? I'm going to do something that I don't do as, that often <laughs> on this podcast. Caleb Loner shits on Noah Hartsock. <laughs> All I'm saying is this team. Could be a Sweet 16 team, maybe better, but a Sweet 16 team for sure. If Caleb Lohner can hit the three, then what that does is that spreads out the field. Because then you have Gideon George, Tejan Lucas, guys like that that can drive to the hoop. He's too athletic to be relegated to this. Oh, well, he's so much much more than that. But who else can hit the three that's a big man? Because in college basketball, the key's smaller, and we've seen it time and time again. Our BYU's best teams. Okay, teams that I'll give you this. Which, what I think you're saying is that if he adds that to his repertoire, so to speak, exactly, it I'll was give a bad... you that. Sure, why not? Because that just ups his chances of getting to the NBA. So why wouldn't he want to do that? But not to be relegated to that, which is what how it came <laughs> off when you said. <laughs> well, that. the problem is, is that Noah Hartsock is like the ultimate white guy, like, tip, <laughs> like typical white guy. He is. Whereas, he is. Whereas Loner is like the anti-white guy, what I'm white guy. Is, yeah. Caleb, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, like Caleb Loner is no, like, no oh my gosh, like there is some athleticism in. Was our, the yeah, last yeah. great stretch four BYU had, and that was the last great team BYU had. Sure, maybe a couple years ago we had some that's, great. That's shooters, because he was so good at baseline even, fifteen. Even footers, Yoli dude. developed the, the three. So if Caleb Loner can shoot the three, that gives you. Some serious threats, and that opens up the court yeah. for everyone else. My, my X factor for He's this year. He's guardable if he can shoot the three. Yeah, I agree. I there, think there is something to that. I, th- I think so that, the, the that, way that came off was that you were saying that that's like his role, <laughs> and I'm like, no chance no. in hell. But if he like adds that to his toolbox, sure, yeah. sure, I'll give you that. He's that not going to lose that would his be current strengths. He just needs to add that yeah. Noah Hartsockness. Maybe maybe a bald spot in the back in the EQP title. No, I keep that. <laughs> keep those lovely locks flowing, man. Yeah, I think the the X factor this year is actually going to be T John. I think he's just going to bring because I, I loved Averett last year. He was a great scorer. 
but he was a little bit erratic with the ball, a yeah. lot of turnovers. And I think Tijon's going to actually bring a lot more stability and ball control and just smart plays to the offense and just spreading the ball around. I think that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I'm, I'm actually, this is the, the, I'm more excited for this BYU basketball season than I've been in a long time for any BYU team. Seriously. Like for BYU basketball. Not that I wasn't in. I was in on these games. Like, I was at the Gonzaga game right before COVID hit when we won. Chase, you actually hooked yeah. me up with a ticket to that game. We went to that game together. That was a fun game. That was a fun game. Yeah. We, we just controlled number one Gonzaga the whole game in a loud and pumped up Marriott Center. And I'm still way more excited for this season. I just yeah. think yeah. Pope is doing great things. I think this BYU basketball team could be excellent. I really do. This is, this is the longest, most athletic BYU basketball team we've ever had, ever in my opinion. By far. Yeah. And they could still be a great all-around three-point yeah. shooting team. Which, well, our problem, sorry to interrupt you, sorry, our problem in the past has always been we were always a good shooting team, but we'd get to the NCAA tournament and get up against these long athletic teams and we look like fools. And this year's team is going to be the team that makes the other team look like fools. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know they're good when we've, we're talking about a team for this long and we don't even bring up a player like Fus Traore, who is a young man's Yoli child. The guy mm. is Who's this? a freshman. Who's Traore? A freshman at BYU who could be a 20 and 10 guy in a couple of years. No me. way. He's I don't six even foot know. Six, really? He played with a loner two in high school. Wingspan. He has a 40 inch vertical. The man already could play tight end for BYU right now. Maybe right he now. should. Yeah, go, go watch the blue white scrimmage. He looked yeah, amazing. He really? 16 yeah. and 8 and 4. I love in it. In the first half in the blue and white game as a freshman. Absolutely torched people up. That's and he awesome. he had a few blocks in the last That could mean game. one of two things. That could mean he's fantastic or our team's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> well, when he's going up against a guy like Harvard and a TKL Tiki, but there's no doubt they are the most athletic team. So defensively, it'll be nice. A team that could light up the scoreboard but also could win games 50 to 45 at times too. So that's the sign of a great team. Yeah. All right, gents. Thanks for showing up for the pod. You have anything else you want to talk about real quick before we end it? Or too many good things to talk about. We gotta let these people go to bed. You mean as in these people, as in us? Yeah, let ourselves. <laughs> bedtime. Thanks for coming out, boys. I really appreciate it's an it. hourglass sitting on my table. I'm watching because everything's changing. My mind goes to a different time. Old love, I remember falling so madly There must have been magic in the valley And a rhythm in the night Cause I could almost see it Did you fade right out of you? If it takes time, I, I If it takes time